This time on episode 348 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're going to discuss a Luke Cage Season 2, Episode 5, All Sold Out, and Season 2, Episode 6, The Basement. And we're going to discuss some Marvel news that is... Yeah. I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm producer of the show, SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Thursday, September 3rd, 2020, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Harlem-wide via www.geeks.live. Come join our live chat as we record. Michelle, happy National Bowling Day? I haven't been bowling in years, which is a good thing because I'm not very good at it. I'm actually one of those people when one time I, I went to go back, I dropped the ball and it went back toward the people. I've done that. And then I've done it to where I twisted it to where it jumped the thing and went the ball went into a, another lane and the people beside us were not too happy about that so i mean happy to all of you who bowl and do it and like it and don't endanger other people's lives like i do i do enjoy bowling but i never really go and one of the reasons i don't never go is because it still has that stigma with me even though that there has been no smoking allowed in bowling alleys either in minnesota or where i live for a long time i still have that stigma of you go bowling and and there's smoke and and stuff like that and i guess that's just a turnoff for me and for those of you that don't know i do have a lung issue or a breathing issue so I really try not to be around people that smoke because of that. But uh, I do like to bowl in maybe when bowling alleys finally open up again. I don't even know if they're open now or whatever. Maybe I'll go this winter. We'll see. But for everybody that does bowl, including my neighbor, who was his son, was a state champion bowler. I didn't even know there was such a thing as high school bowling champion, but there is. So he actually did that and went on to get a scholarship for it in college, too. Happy National Bowling Day to everybody that bowls. In the meantime, let's move on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and comic book universes in general. Because of cowboy movies. If you'd like to talk to us about showdowns at high noon on the high bridge... You can catch our contact information on our website, legendsofshield.com. We have a voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-ONE. That's 844-843-2871. You'd like to tell us about your favorite High Noon Showdown, Back to the Future 3. You can catch us on our Facebook page at Legends of Shield Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Legends of Shield. You can describe your favorite High Noon showdown in cowboy movies on our youtube channel at youtube.com slash gonna geek you can tell your amazon device to enable legends of shield skill you can join our discord server and talk to us all about showdowns at high noon at gonna geek.com slash discord and remember legends of shield is a proud member they're going to geek.com network today i am happy i am so pleased to announce that Lauren, Agent Lauren, has successfully navigated through her surgery and she is in recovery. To my surprise, she was even thinking about being on tonight, but she is going to take one more night of rest and she should be back on the show next week. That is some awesome recovery. Surgery just happened yesterday. And if you want to see or hear or read all about it, you can catch her not only on her Twitter account, like I've been saying for the last few 
weeks at Sithwitch, but also I forgot she's got a wonderful Instagram account at Sithwitch. Yeah, I'm really glad she is on the mend. And then Agent Haley had some things to do tonight for work before the long weekend, so we let her have the night off. Although I know there was one thing that she really wanted to talk about that she was talking about last week, so we might let her talk about it when she comes back next week. In the meantime, Michelle, are you ready to talk some Luke Cage? Yes, I am. All right, here we go. Luke Cage, Season 2, Episode 5, All Sold Out, and Season 2, Episode 6, The Basement, were published to Netflix, along with the rest of the second season, on June 22nd, 2018. Michelle, why don't you tell us who the creative team behind All Sold Out was? Yes, this episode was directed by Cassie Lemons, has 10 directing credits starting in 1996, including East Bayou, which is an amazing film. I suggest going out and finding it and watching it. Also, the films Talk to Me and Black Nativity. One episode of Shots Fired. One episode of Luke Cage. The film Harriet. And two episodes of Self Made, inspired by the life of Madam C.J. Walker, which is a TV miniseries. And the episode was written by Ian Stokes. Has four writing credits starting in 2010, including six episodes of Warehouse 13. 17 wolf two episodes of iron fist and two luke cage a lot of warehouse 13 crossover into the marvel netflix universe and i'm fine with that because i fondly remember warehouse 13 and eureka for that matter so season two episode six the basement was directed by millicent shelton she has 90 directing credits to her name starting in 1990 Uh, which include a lot of music videos, which doesn't surprise me, considering Cheo is a journalist of the music first before he became showrunner of the show. Also, her directing credits include two episodes of The Bernie Mac Show, one episode of My Name is Earl, four episodes of Girlfriends, four episodes of Everyone Hates Chris, or Everybody Hates Chris, excuse me, one episode of Parks and Recreation, one episode of Leverage, one episode of Castle, two episodes of Warehouse 13, two episodes of Parenthood, Five episodes of Dallas, I assume that's the modern Dallas and not the previous Dallas. One episode of Proof, one episode of The Originals, three episodes of The Flash, one episode of Scandal, one episode of Supergirl, one episode of The Runaways, which we covered before on the show, one episode of Jessica Jones, four episodes of Empire, one episode of Luke Cage, that's this episode, one episode of The Walking Dead, seven episodes of Blackish, two episodes of 911, and one episode of P Valley. The episode was written by Ada Mashaka Kroll, who has five writing credits starting in 2008, including 12 episodes of One Life to Live, two episodes of Turn, Washington Spies, two episodes of Jessica Jones, and four episodes of Luke Cage. And as I mentioned before, Cheo Hadari Coker was the showrunner of the entire series of Luke Cage. And Cheo, if you happen to be listening, thank you very much for following us on Twitter and communicating back and forth with us. So, Michelle, we have two episodes here, and we often equate the themes of the episodes to the titles of the episodes. The first one is All Sold Out. I just want to preface it by the spelling of sold is S-O-U-L-E-D, not like sold out, like sold out concert. But what do you think the title is the theme for that episode? Well, it's obviously a play on words because Luke is getting sued by Cockroach, well, a.k.a. Don Trowell. And in order to make some cash, he needs to do one of those appearance fee party things. And he feels a little sold out that way. It's almost like, you know, like when you're selling your soul, you feel it because he does feel conflicted by doing this i think it's really kind of on those tracks you also have the storyline of what's going on with misty and kind of selling her soul to get the job done sort of thing and that takes place over really the two episodes but that's in there as well you also have mariah which is we'll we'll get into that she's definitely degrading kind of like her cousin degraded before so the next episode is called the basement and what do you got there what's the theme of that episode well misty has this conversation about 
she's told that she needs to look in the basement of her soul about what does she want to be? What type of person does she want to be? Not what others expect. And there's also the whole hiding um, Luke and Piranha. They, they end up in a basement somewhere for a short period of time. So there's that. Okay. I'll go with that. Two really good episodes. I was rewatching these. On the whole, they were a little bit slower than some of the high impact ones in the past, but I think we can get away with it at this point in time in the series. There was enough action to move it along, and then there was just a lot of incredible scenes between actors in these two episodes. I'm glad we got to watch these episodes back to back because they really fit together. You have that mini arc of Misty going from you know, I know what I'm doing to the flashbacks with Scarf to being tempted to plant evidence to turning in her badge. And then you have the basically almost like contained epic chase of Luke Cage trying to protect Piranha and him getting to the point where he gets, I don't know, frustrated, bored, cocky, and ends up challenging bushmaster and then you know how it ends with him getting kicked off the bridge so it's almost like these episodes are just like this nice contained two-parter and they're they really work well together talking about them back to back they do it starts off with i think one of Haley's favorite things from all of these episodes and that is the personal appearance and the journey to get there it's the fallout from the domestic violence of course Dontrell cockroach is suing Luke Cage through Ben Donovan, who Ben makes such a great attorney. He, the uh, attorney to the gang there, he just knows how to slither through everything and win. And you're like, oh my gosh, because Luke is getting sound legal counsel. Foggy is there. He's Foggy is telling exactly what is true with Luke. Now, do you think a better lawyer could have maybe gotten him out of everything? Maybe, but I think Foggy's doing right here. I, I'll give Foggy some points here. Yeah, I hate to say this, but I think even Jerry would have given Luke the same advice. It's not as though um, he's got the best public image. She's dealing with Jessica Jones. And so she knows what it's like to have someone who just does not play by the rules, who thinks they are their one person police force or little army and such. So yeah, the fact that Foggy got the number to just a hundred thousand, I'm sorry, but I really thought it was going to be more. I don't know if maybe there was a little negotiating there, but Foggy coming back with a hundred thousand dollars, I thought was it, that was a lower number than I was expecting. I don't know about USP. Oh, yeah. I was the first time I saw this. I was like, what are we talking about? 10 million, 20 million, something like that, because you're talking about a big name celebrity, regardless of his earning potential. Now, there is the fact that he's living in the back of a barbershop who's going to be evicted in a couple of weeks when the lease runs out and who has no real income stream. So you have that. But yeah, I would think they would consider, look, you can do something and, and really get this money and, and be able to go and just give it to us, which ultimately it, it was Jerry Hogarth. I would think that she'd be like a hundred thousand. Look, just do whatever you have to do, get the money and pay this guy off and then move on. Cause that's kind of how Jerry works and how she's gotten where he, she is. She has paid off clients before. And from a personal standpoint, this is nothing to her would have been nothing to her, but maybe in Harlem, 100000 is considered a lot. Maybe the showrunners, the writers, whatever, didn't want to make it too insurmountable or make the eventual solution be unobtainable, like a personal appearance to a private party at a million dollars. That would have been a little bit much, but 100000 for a personal appearance in a party, that would be high. But for a couple hours of work, yeah, that's doable. So maybe that's where this ultimately was going. It wasn't just the personal appearance, though. While they were negotiating, or at least having a little bit of back and forth, it wasn't really even a deposition, it was a negotiation. While they were negotiating, 
Luke gets so mad that he just, I, I don't know what he was doing, like crumpling the table or pushing down the table or whatever, but it's this thick conference table that you get in law firms and he just snaps it like it's styrofoam, which actually it probably was styrofoam, but he just snaps it like it was styrofoam. That was just awesome. <laughs> Yeah, then when they have that little meeting off to the side, he's trying to figure out how to put it back together. And it's like, Luke, sweetie, once you've broken something like that, you just can't put it back together. No, you just leave it go and it goes to eBay paradise. And if he would figure out that market, he'd be making a lot of money. That's what I was thinking. With everything that was on Piranha's wall later at the party in his office, if he would have just been able to sell that himself, he would have made a lot more money. Which he did anyway, although he ends up not having to come up with the money, which is good because he ends up not protecting Piranha in the end, and Cockroach doesn't make it through. Yeah, Bushmaster decides to make a statement. Mariah is very happy that her clinic, Family First Initiative building, is done. And, you know, she shows it up to Tilda, offers Tilda the job, the press is there. And she opens it up and on pikes have the head of cockroach, uh, the head of Ray Ray and the head of Mark Higgins, you know, people who were involved in the deal. Um, Ray Ray is supposed to be someone who is basically, you know, Shades talk describes him as someone who's made for the life. Like he wouldn't break if he was with the cops and stuff like that. And of course, cockroach was the other person that could have bought the guns and such. So it was quite the statement. Uh, yeah, that's just family first, open the door, here are some heads. Yeah, they were calling it Pirates of the Caribbean or, or something like that during the episode, and all I could think about was Game of Thrones. Yeah, part of me went to The Walking Dead. Spoilers, uh, The Whisperers. Um, I read it in the comics. I, I stopped watching the show a long time ago where The Whisperers to signaled their boundary they actually decapitated and put heads on spikes so it's nothing new it's an old europeans did it you know it's how we get vlad the impaler and there's other sorts of okay that's kind of yeah it's a gruesome thing no matter you know bushmaster's uncle getting angry about it is completely plausible because that is something that does make whoever does it look savage because it is man that's the rear it was wow so what mariah is trying to do is she's trying to leave her criminal past behind and just assume that she is legitimate and out of her legitimate millions be able to do incredible things for harlem i think she wants to climb the rung back to power she wants to be councilwoman and ultimately maybe even mayor of New York or something like that. I, I don't know what her ultimate goal is, but she wants to retain all the power that Mama Mabel used to have, that her family used to have. She is not even willing to let go of the club because Shades comes by and says, look, I want you to completely divest of everything. Sell me the club. I want to use my share of the profits from this deal, and I want to buy the club. You're free of it so that you don't have anything to worry about it anymore and I will have it and therefore I will build something of my own as well but then you can go off and do things that are not criminal related and she is completely unwilling to do that for a variety of reasons one of which she's not letting go of the past but two I think she wants to climb all hills like she did before and she's just not willing to let that go and she's becoming more and more unraveled she is delusional to a high point she's losing everything around her and saying there's nobody that stood there by me which shades is right there the whole time so i don't know what she's thinking well she was drunk but it gets to a point where she heard something when she was in the interrogation room from we find out the captain was a childhood friend and finds out that her cousin had thrown somebody off the roof from somebody that shouldn't have known. So she knows there's a leak somewhere and then tells that to Shades and immediately Shades retreats. I mean, the body language alone is a telltale, but the fact that he just disengages from her completely and then 
starts to walk away to do other things, you know exactly what he's going to do there because the other person that knows is Chi. And then that goes back to the conversation they had in the barbershop, which is one of the biggest one-on-one conversations in this series so far, perhaps in the entire Defenders universe in the barbershop where they're back to back and they're talking all sorts of things and they're both prying each other for information. Shades doesn't know that she is prying him for information until he puts one and one together. No time is wasted. Yeah. I watched that scene and Shade says that, you know, I'll die for you, Che. And we learn that in prison, they had a relationship and it just wasn't friends. It just wasn't let's stick together and help defend each other. They had a relationship in prison. I think Che is still in love. Shades is like inside the inside and Che's like, I'm still the same on the inside and on the outside. And I think it would, you know, after that conversation, if you look back on how Che was looking at Mariah, you know, at first you think, oh man, I thought my guy, my friend was more of like a quote unquote man. But now it's like he's maybe like, I think perhaps jealous on a romantic level as well. I did not pick that up the very first time I watched this whole thing. I thought they were just talking about like the fights and, and being, having each other's back and having, um, the, you know, the prison thing, I mean, Luke Cage learned how to fight in the prison. He was a cop before, but he really learned how to fight in the prison. So that, there was that whole fighting infrastructure that was going on and experimentation. And they, Shades and Chi, had to have each other's back during the whole thing in order to make it through. And we find out it's a little bit more. So I finally picked up on that and was like, woo, which makes everything that happens like the fact that Che is working for the cops even worse in the whole situation. Cause you can just think of what shades is thinking now that he knows that she betrayed him. Cause that knowledge of what happened on the rooftop got to the cops somehow. Yeah. It didn't come from shades. It didn't come from Mariah. Didn't come from Turk. Didn't come from anybody else. So it had to come from Chi and, and all of a sudden he's putting one to one together It'll be an interesting episode or two we've got in front of us because of all that. To go back to the very first episode, all sold out, as Luke Cage is trying to go through his options of coming up with $100,000, he thinks he's got some easy marks out there. Okay, so I'll do a Nike sponsorship. Nike's like, nope, <laughs> that's not happening anymore. They go through the whole NFL thing, and the agent basically says what I was saying a couple episodes ago is like, if you have a powered person on one team, you have to have a powered person on all teams. I just don't think the NFL is going to go for that. The funniest one, though, was the reality show of the fact of Luke Cage fighting an animal. And of course, it's sharks. You can think of it in terms of Shark Week, but it really doesn't matter. Who wants to fight? Oh, but we're not going to fight sharks at the beginning. That'll be the season finale. How about we start out with a honey badger? <laughs> And I thought he was going to go away from the screen and, and type in what a honey badger was. But I think he knows that a honey badger ain't something that you want to mess with. No. And he calls Foggy and was like, you know, how much does Beyonce make? You need to realize that there are people who make their living this way. This is sort of like how the Kardashians started. Paris Hilton, Hillary Duff, you can, she makes appearance fees housewives you know from like either beverly hills or atlanta when you have a certain type of clout or you're associated with being fashionable and people think you're fashionable and you get to a point where you make a club hot or popular you can start charging appearance fees whether it's for a club somebody's party any sort of opening you know sitting in a fashion thing you know being at Flash Fashion Week, getting a front row seat, people see you there and they think you're friends with a designer, but you might not be. You just got paid to sit there. It is a viable way that many celebrities make money. 
so I don't, you know, it was one of those things. I know for him, he really wasn't expecting that he would have to do something like this. He was, we've talked about how he's gotten cocky and he really did think that he could just call and get all these things, but he got knocked down by Bushmaster. So it's not like, you know, the Nike guy was right. You can't sell shoes with somebody who just got knocked down. That's not when, if he would have agreed to the deal before, then he might've been okay. But, you know, you got to make the deal while you're hot, not when you're not. Yeah, you give a chance for Nike to stand behind who they made the agreement with when the agreement is in place versus, eh, I don't think it's in our best interest to make the agreement at this point. So it's a touchy thing with the whole marketing thing. Oh, by the way, I make my living by appearance fees. So if you anybody wants you know, me to show up, it's Stargate Pioneer at guineageek.com. Just send me an email and I will send you my price list. This leads to the party, which is hilarious. Piranha, who Luke Cage knows that Piranha is Mariah Dillard's attorney or financial advisor or whatever. He knows this. So he's going to the party partly because he needs the cash, but now partly because he figures out it's Piranha and he wants to figure out what's going on with Mariah. So he's sitting through this whole thing, ends up, being the guard man to Piranha's little personal party with two women. He's just standing. So he's the celebrity and he's just standing guard and nobody's coming up to him wanting pictures until he's crossing the room. Then that's when he just was weird. The whole way, the whole thing went out, but that party was, you know, I I'm used to him, you know, with all my appearances, I do them all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's, typical for you it was interesting first we have to realize that one piranha is a luke cage fanboy has all this memorabilia and i was glad to see that it seems like piranha was going to do is going to do right by mariah and is actually going to stick through the deal and that yes he still has power of attorney and it's dangerous not because what he was going to do, because now Bushmaster has him and now Bushmaster can force Piranha to do things to take the money the way from Mariah. As I keep saying before, when you have power of attorney, you can sign a few documents and take everything away from someone. I know I've had it. So, yes, this part of it completely realistic about what Bushmaster can make Piranha do and how Piranha can unwittingly, unwillingly destroy Mariah from just take everything out from there. But it was kind of nice to see that he was actually going to be on Mariah's side. We learn, you know, that he's the son of one of Mabel's employees, one of her best. And it makes sense, you know, Mariah did say, you know, I've known him since he was 12. So now knowing that a little bit more, it's like, okay, he was, he was actually going to do right by her. Luke gets some bonding time, some unwanted bonding time with Piranha. <laughs> that was about their common, basically hatred of their dads and whatever. And uh, that Piranha then said, yeah, I shoved it in my dad's face and then I never got to see him again. We don't know if that's because they literally have never seen each other again or something happened to his dad and he's no longer around. We just don't know. But that makes Luke think about his dad and it'll be interesting in future episodes. But at least they were talking to each other because who else is Luke going to turn to? So he turns to the Reverend to have Piranha hide out there. But in the meantime, we have this amazing hit and escape. And then Luke takes his eye off the prize, basically relaxes when he shouldn't and Piranha gets stolen. But there are some amazing fights. There's a fight in the club where Luke's getting shot by Piranha. That was not cool. I would check the fine print on my contract before I would sign up to a personal appearance. Let's see. No shooting at Luke Cage. I would make sure that's in the a personal Piranha appearance. Piranha really doesn't get, he gets maybe one shot off, but before he really can shoot a lot, it's Bushmasters guys that start to shoot. And- you know, we get Luke doing the whole dunking people against the wall and getting guns and stuff. So a couple of things there. Foggy was at the party 
I wonder what happened to Foggy because the fight broke out and then we didn't ever see Foggy again. So that's one. Two, Shades shows up right before the hit happens and Luke is confronting Shades and they never have the conversation to come to terms with the fact that they're both there again, basically against a common enemy. And then the shooting starts. So you can see if, if, if you take a look at the dialogue, they don't get a chance to actually come to terms with why they're there. They're talking past each other. They never really figure out that they're there because of the Jamaicans, basically both. And then the Jamaican hit happens, which is designed to take Piranha away. They didn't know Luke Cage was going to be there. So Luke is able to thwart it, at least originally, by stopping them in the car, the Jamaicans in the car, and then taking Piranha away. Shades walks away at that point because he's seen enough. And he, even though he's there to make sure nothing happens to Piranha, or Piranha doesn't open his mouth, basically, about the deal, he knows that there's nothing he can do at that point. So he just gets out of there because the Jamaicans are now after everything and he has got to get back and rally the troops well then luke cage takes piranha around and that's basically the end of the first episode it begins in the second episode they have this rooftop chase going on and luke literally throws piranha not only across buildings but then up several stories as well it injures his leg well i mean he saved him but injures him Going up high, when you can't fly and you can't really carry the person and jump from building to building, that really wasn't a sound tactical move. But that serves to show you what type of, you know, Luke isn't strong on strategy. And the way this played out, it shows that Luke is not a tactical person. He kind of, needs some help in the planning department. And we see that later in Iron Fist, right? Because we've already seen the final season of Iron Fist. We kind of see the two of them together and everything. And uh, that was a decent episode. And they're kind of commiserating with each other. Both individually have that issue, but together they can make each other see strategy where... You would think the women in their lives would be able to, but Luke's not got his anymore. Yeah, and he calls Misty a little too late. Perhaps if he had called her sooner, she could have, you know, helped in that department. I mean, after all, he was fleeing from people in cars with the most obvious lapel thing, like decal, the most obvious decal on their car. Like, gee, which car is, oh, it's the one with the Jamaican flag and a little red light. It's like, that car's after Luke, that car's after Luke, that car's after Luke. It's like, you know, he knew, he knew how to run away from them. He just needed a good path or someone to distract them to where he could actually get someplace safe with Piranha. But he waits until the next day and then decides to call Bushmaster dumb <laughs> we'll get to that in a second so the jamaican cabs they're so stealthy you know they all have the markings on the flags on them and also they're all blaring out the same jamaican style of music right just yeah. blaring it out so it's like oh we're gonna sneak around the neighborhood boom 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 <laughs> like whatever yeah uh, we do also get the terminology in this episode, hero for hire. I enjoyed actually listening to that not once, but twice, maybe three times, but it was fun getting that actual term in there. So Misty gets completely distracted from her conversation with Luke and then is just hanging in on this cab that has been sitting around the precinct. Girl, remember I am the prize. You've got Piranha in Luke Cage's custody. You can grab him and then solve a lot of issues. But no, she's going after this cab. Yeah. Well, when it comes to Misty, like I said, he calls her at the wrong time. Misty had an issue. She was tempted to plant evidence 
at Cockroach's place because, you know, Cockroach easily like got her, her skin and then he beat his girlfriend again. And, you know, Misty went to talk to her, try to get her to press charges, but that didn't work. And she's having flashbacks to Scarf. And I think that whole sort of, she started getting in her head. How come I didn't see what Scarf was doing while we were still partners? Did I actually notice it, but I turned the other way? And now it's like, well, now I can see why he would have done it. Maybe I could do it. Maybe I could get away with it. Instead, she ends up at Cockroaches and sees his decapitated body. And then she, you know, confesses it to the captain. And the captain's just like, okay, you just got to live with it. And eventually, you know, like Misty turns in her badge and stuff. So. At the end of the second episode, she's not in top Misty form. No, not at all. Matter of fact, as far as she's concerned, she is going to take that retirement, take that two-thirds or three-quarter pension for the rest of her life tax-free and just go into that good night because she knows she can't do police work the way that she wants to. We never get her actual resignation. So all she does is leave her badge and her gun. So obviously there's more to the story there. But the entire journey for Misty, she has all those flashbacks with Scarf, which I think predominantly that's all new footage with Scarf in there. So phenomenally done there. In looking like some, just some historical footage or whatever, but it was great how they brought Scarf back in to fill in some of those blanks there, including the death of Scarf's son because he left his gun there and uh, what might have been Scarf's motivation eventually. But the fact that she is now considering some of Scarf's advice because Scarf was able, even though it was flawed in the end, he was able to get results and she is big into results and possibly not following the legal processes that she's supposed to follow and she's going down that path and she gets to the point where she needs to hear it from somebody else and she does a former captain i assume and she has dinner with him and that was an interesting conversation think about it from the perspective of the captain right so he's been through his entire career he then becomes a consultant with the department and then he has this person who's a friend come to him with something that given his career, he would have had to turn her in, but he has no obligation to do so right now. And he just levels with her and said, look, you have to decide what sort of person you are. Like you were saying, and, and she does, she comes to terms with that. So that was a wonderful story from front to back that we got contained within these two episodes and it's not over yet, but it was great. I think it did a lot of homage to Misty Knight, the character, and it did, it was great writing overall. I mean, this series is, is really cool. One other thing with Misty is she got the arm. Yes, she got the arm. She actually took Danny and Colleen up on the offer and is starting to get used to uh, picking up a coffee cup. Well, not only that, but she actually... I got the inference that she spent a couple of hours there to the point where it was functional. And while it is not completely functional because she had problems opening up the file drawer with it, right? At least she's walking around with it rather than it's off until her next training date. So she is going ahead and, and she uses a blunt weapon in the interrogation room observatory as well. Yeah. Which I think is important because after seeing what she can do with the arm physically i think that will serve her well in the future as she goes along with whatever she does in life whether that's staying with the department or going off as a consultant on her own or, or whatever so you're right we started off this whole segment saying it's great to have these two episodes together i really enjoyed these two episodes together we found out a lot about a lot of characters there was a lot of progression and there was even some fights like the last one at high noon. Yeah. We can tell Bushmaster has that, if I'm saying this correctly, that Copa Para style. It's that dance. It's that, it's that Brazilian has like the acrobatic dance and martial arts with it. 
He's got skills. He's got that really interesting fighting skills. Luke, again, that boxer. And again, Luke is just cocky and a little, I don't know if it's naive or if he's like, I'm Harlem's hero. And he says it again in the, um, before he, you know, gets into the fight with Bushmaster. I'm the hero of Harlem. I can't team up with you because you're a criminal and a cold-blooded killer. So we have to fight. And why would he be surprised that Bushmaster would cheat? It's just like he just decapitated a whole bunch of people's heads. He murdered his way up to the top. Of course, he's going to cheat. Why weren't you prepared for that? Yeah. Again, it's just, that's Luke. And you think even in the prison when he was fighting, some people would have fought dirty. I mean, I think we even saw some of that with the maybe some shivs and stuff last season. I don't know why he didn't think it was going to be a fair fight, but magic is something that's foreign to him. And even though it was power of the earth, I will term it as magic, even though I know it's not, but so he's just not ready for that. And he was immobile. He was paralyzed, immobilized. And I'm shocked that Bushmaster didn't just cut him in half right there and just threw him off instead because Bushmaster could have easily tore him apart, but he didn't. So Luke obviously is going to survive for another day, but it'll be interesting to find out how that happens because he has gone off the bridge. I'm thinking though, if I'm crossing the bridge and I see this going on, I wait at the side and it's like these two are breakdancing around each other. You're saying the Brazilian fight style, whatever. It kind of looks like breakdancing, which is something that happens in New York or at least used to. So these guys are just breakdancing. Yeah, sure. I mean, that style actually came about because slaves couldn't have obviously train each other to fight. So they made it look like dancing and you make it look like dancing. You don't realize that they're actually training themselves in a martial art. It's a very interesting style of fighting. And yeah, it was really great to see how, how he flipped and did all of that in the inverted kicking. It was really interesting. It's an interesting fight. It is. And this goes back to uh, Bushmaster wanting to film Luke Cage and see how he fought before he decided to fight against him. And there's a little bit of big man on campus sort of thing going on between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's not over. Of course not. We're going to see more, but it's fun watching Luke have to match up with somebody that's his own abilities. Basically. Do you have anything else you want to say about these couple of episodes? I thought it was really interesting. It's just what the exchange that the uncle has with Bushmaster and he's really trying to urge his nephew to find peace in his heart and to, yes, the past is the past, but fighting a war. I like that line. He says, eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And he tries to tuck Bushmaster out of it. And Bushmaster's just like, I want war. War is going to, he's going to get it. Yeah, he wanted revenge, and Luke asked him what the revenge is for, and he said history. We've already seen some scenes in Jamaica, but I don't think we've seen everything yet. So there's going to be more there and more of Bushmaster's motivations. Remember the convers- the wonderful conversation that he had directly with Mariah. There were some clues in there, too. Well, next week, we're going to be covering Luke Cage Season 2, Episode 7, On and On, and Luke Cage Season 2, Episode 8. If it ain't rough, it ain't right. I can't wait to talk about them, and hopefully we'll have Agent Haley and Agent Lauren with us. Are you ready to talk some news? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Chadwick Boseman passed away at the age of 43 after a four-year battle with colon cancer. 
the star who portrayed Jackie Robinson in 42 and James Brown in Get On Up before being cast as Wakandan Prince turned King T'Challa in 2016's Captain America Civil War became the first black actor to lead a solo Marvel Studios movie when reprising his role in the Ryan Coogler directed Blank Panther. The blockbuster, which grossed $1.34 billion globally, earned seven total Academy Award nominations and was the first superhero movie to be nominated for Best Picture. Chadwick was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in 2016 and battled with it these last four years as it progressed to stage four reads a statement from Bozeman's team. It was during and between countless surgeries and chemotherapy throughout this private illness that the actor filmed Thurgood Marshall's biography, Marshall, period, music drama, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and the Spike Lee directed The Five Bloods. And this hurt. I rewatched Black Panther today. I, I started to just, what is like cry, but I remember, I actually knew Chadwick Boseman from 42 and get on up. And when Marvel announced they were going to do Black Panther, have the character, you're always worried about how seriously they were going to take it. I was concerned. I don't know about you when they said they were going to do Black Panther. But when they cast Chadwick Boseman, I knew Marvel had good plans because Chadwick Boseman wouldn't have taken it. He's not the type of actor to have just said yes to say yes to something. He really wasn't a money grabber, so to speak. He really was thoughtful about the roles he took. And after he was cast, I had high hopes for what Marvel did with Black Panther and they exceeded because Black Panther is still just an amazing, just an amazing movie, period. It doesn't matter if it's superhero or not. You take out the superhero parts of it, and it's still this story about a man coming to terms with being a king, learning about the flaws of his father who he idolized, and just coming to terms with all that. It's still just a really good movie. One of the things that you mentioned was that you didn't know how Marvel was going to take the movie. You didn't know how they were going to produce it. Was it going to, you know, if, if it had come out to be like the first Ant-Man movie, which is a stereotypical Marvel movie with a lot of comedy infused in there, I don't think it would have had the gravitas that it did. There was some comedic moments in it. It wasn't flat out serious the whole way through. But it was at a higher level than a lot of the other Marvel movies that are just entertaining on their own. And I think a lot of it had to do with Chadwick Boseman's ability to act. I learned, and I had no idea about this, but I learned since he passed that Denzel Washington paid for some of his tuition to his advanced degree. And, or I think just flat out paid for it, right? And that says a lot that somebody is, is willing to extend the helping hand there to somebody that was that talented i saw a lot of interviews in the last few days and reminiscing about chadwick boseman and the fact that his true love was actually in the production side of things he wanted to be more of a director than an actor but man he was so talented every time he came on the screen he just commanded respect there was a few I only got through the first 30 minutes or so of Black Panther since he passed, but there was a few scenes in there where he was like buddy, buddy with somebody and he just drew to those scenes because you wanted to be a buddy with him. Right. And he just played it off and he was still the serious guy. He had the gravitas of being the king. Of course, the whole thing with civil war and his father dying, Black Panther's father dying in Captain America Civil War. He had quite the arc Black Panther did. I have no idea. Apparently there's Black Panther 2 in pre-production. I have no idea how they're going to handle this, if they're going to recast the actor, if they're going to move the story along, because eventually in Marvel Comics, the story moves along too. But 
he's an amazing hero, both on and off the screen. You listen to any interview that he's done. It was always, he was so well-spoken. He was so caring, you know, all the kids that he went around to and, and visited because he knew he was such a role model uh, to children's hospitals, kids with cancer. And uh, he became very emotional a couple of times. And, and this is all from interviews and public speaking that he has done. He has left such a lasting legacy. I hope that Marvel, and they have honored him already, but I hope that they take that legacy and they move forward with it in diversity and black culture and continue it on because just the short period of time that he had with all of those roles, James Brown, Jackie Robinson, Black Panther, and be able to be such a role model because of that, that I hope that somebody can take that mantle and run with it because it is much needed. And this one definitely hurt. It came out of no, the thing was it came out of nowhere because he was so private with it. Yeah. That's when I heard the news and I'm going, wait, I, my first thought was like, what tragic accident was it? My first thought was like, okay, you're going to do some fake news and you're going to pick Chadwick Boseman. Are you serious? Like, this is the fake one you're going to do. And then I learned it wasn't fake. And then to find out it was cancer, F cancer. Yeah, this, this hurts. I understand how this has hurt lots of people in a community. I know what it's like to identify with a celebrity. Don't be ashamed of it. Like um, Carrie Fisher with Princess Leia, like for me, you know, when I was younger, she was really the first, like, here's a woman you know, standing up to the bad guy, even standing up to them after her planet's destroyed and, you know, being that sort of role model. And here we have Chadwick Boseman, who was a role model both on and off the screen. He's going to be inspiration for a while. I think he's someone that we're not going to forget. The movies that he made are unforgettable to this point in We'll see what sort of awards that he wins in the future. But I, I, like I said, I just hope that somebody is able to build on his success and bring even more gravitas to roles like this in the future. And if they recast the role, I, I just hope it's with somebody that can do justice to it. If they decide to do CGI, I hope they put their whole heart into it because we've seen Carrie Fisher before, right? We've seen Paul Walker before in these CGI roles. and. And it's becoming more and more there, but it's still not 100%. So I, I don't know how they're going to handle it. It's probably too soon. I know it's very too, it's very soon. It's very soon. But the one thought I do want to put out there is in the comic books, Shuri takes the mantle. Mm-hmm. and But to make that transition, right? Yeah. So the Fast and Furious, they made a transition with Paul Walker's brother as a stand-in and some CGI. Yes. They, they made that transition with Carrie Fisher. It was kind of a, a transition with Rogue One, was it? Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue yeah. One. They, so it was a younger Carrie Fisher, but they tried to make that transition in the storyline with her in there as a younger her. Who knows how they're going to do this? I Maybe they're able to not have him on the screen and have that transition to Shuri off screen. Maybe they're going to recast it. Who knows? But I do know that Marvel and Disney really want to do what's right here. And they will do their best to do what's right as they go forward. But it it goes beyond that, especially with everything going on in the news, everything that's going on in uh, social justice. Black Lives Matters. You know, this is an incredible time for this to happen. Historic time. Yeah, I don't want them to ignore the Black Panther universe. I don't want them to tuck it away or How anything. Can you with so many other really noted characters? How can you? 
Yeah, there are things that they can do and they can even expand upon the other characters that they can bring to screen. There's a lot of other stories to tell. And yeah, it's just right now, I just want to honor Chadwick. And one of the things that I have been watching, I've watched it a couple of times again, is the Black Jeopardy segment that he did on Saturday Night Live. If you're sad and you still want to like honor him, it's on YouTube. It is one of the funniest bits of Saturday Night Live is just done, just writing wise, but him being T'Challa on Black Jeopardy, it was hilarious. And it has to do with potato salad. So I just leave it there. It was funny. So funny. I know a lot of uh, other outlets have done a, a lot to honor Chadwick. And I just want to throw this out to our audience here. If you have something you want to say about Chadwick and you want it on the podcast, just get in touch with any one of us and we'll make it happen. Whether it's just a simple voicemail or if you actually want to record something uh, or if you want us to read something on the podcast, just get with one of us and we will make sure it's on a future show. I know Lauren gave a forward to our previous podcast we recorded on Thursday. The announcement of his passing came on Friday, so we had no way of including it in our previous episode. So since Lauren was not at the on the episode, she wasn't going to be on this episode because of her surgery. She was able to record a forward, and that is on the previous episode. But if you, listener, want to say something about Chadwick Boseman, we want to hear it, and we will play it on the show. All right, I think that's enough news for this week, Michelle. Yes. Should we uh, go ahead and, and turn our badges in and get on out of here? Sure thing. Okay, here we go. It's been another great week. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with us after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's awesome. We've gotten a lot of uh, interaction back and forth on Twitter, which I know Lauren lights up on. And we've gotten some interaction over on our Discord server. So thank you very much to everybody who continues to watch the show, to listen to the show and download it. I appreciate it very much. And I know the ladies do too. Yes, again, thank you for all the interactions, for listening to us talk about (laughs) things that are two years old. I'm really glad that you are sticking with this. Like I said, we keep saying we're not, we don't plan to go anywhere anytime soon. So whether you're watching these shows with us for the first time or you're rewatching them, you know, again, share your thoughts, get in contact with us. We'd like to hear from you. We will. And so will Lauren. And so with that, I'll just say, we'll be back next week. I'm director SB. I'm agent Michelle Wakanda forever. See everybody next time. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Man, today was the first day. I've been incrementally increasing my workout since March, basically. Probably more close to April or May by the time I actually got on the path that I'm on. I'll have to go back and see what the very first one that I would consider to be this workout. So I've been incrementally increasing them every day ever since then. And I've taken one or two days off along the way. Try to take one day off a week, but sometimes it's a couple, sometimes it's zero. And today I got on the treadmill and I just couldn't do it. It was the one increment too much and i got more than a little bit more than two-thirds of the way through the workout and i probably could have continued a little bit but i just 
kind of muscularly run down. It has nothing to do with being sick or anything, just sore. And like, nope, <clears throat> not going to do it. What sucks is my daughter had started a competition, a week-long competition with me on the, the Apple Watch activities. And it's to her advantage because it's based on percentage of your goals. And my goals are more than hers by a lot. So <clears throat> she's starting to kick my butt just based on the fact that she's hitting her goals faster. Cause it's all based on percentage of goals. So, oh, well, I'll have to concede. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2020.